Hi, I'm Devin Scott. Hey, I'm Will Ross. So before we get into the episode proper, we have three bits of news. The first is that this is our season finale. Oh boy. We're taking a bit of a break, mostly to catch our breath and also to kind of plan, you know, the course of the podcast. We won't be gone long. Our next season will start up three weeks from now. Second, we're conducting a listener survey. We posted it on our website and our Twitter. Included in the survey is a chance to ask questions for us to answer on air. Like the way we're talking right now, we could be answering one of your questions as we're doing this. So please participate if you want to help guide the future of this podcast or even if you just want to ask us a question. <laughs> Third, we're launching a Patreon. We'll add a link to the Patreon site in our description. And you can also just type patreon.com slash filmformally into whatever browser you use, even if it's Opera. Even if it's Opera, Opera users are welcome. Yeah. We're a big tent podcast. <laughs> Making this podcast can be pretty time consuming for us, and that can make it tricky to balance our jobs and other projects while maintaining and growing the podcast itself. So... That's why we're launching the Patreon. It's a monthly membership program, and it'll help make the podcast self-sufficient. Our podcast will remain free, but we have some perks available, like a private Slack channel where we're going to talk about movies a whole lot. So, you know, if you want to have a forum with which to talk, you know, that's not Twitter <laughs> about movies, this might be of interest. We're going to do Zoom Hangouts, and we're going to give you the option to ask questions that we'll answer at the end of each episode. If those interest you, or if you just want to show your appreciation by throwing us a few dollars a month, check it out. Yeah, we're so grateful for the support we've gotten, all the responses we've gotten from y'all, uh, the fact that you're listening at all. Like, we would not obviously be doing this podcast without you. So, thank you, dear listener. Anyways, today's episode is about the word cinematic. It's a word you hear a lot. That scene was very cinematic. That lighting, cinematic lighting. How to get the cinematic look in three easy steps, a YouTube tutorial. But it seems to mean so many different things to different people. What, what's down? What's up? Good question. So for this last episode of the season, we brought on some of our filmmaker friends to talk about what they think it means. But in the name of pluralist discussion, we'll also be sharing and talking about opinions on the subject sent in by our listeners. Welcome to Film Formally. The word cinematic, what does it mean? How do we use it? The answer might not be as obvious as you think, largely because there seems to be a million definitions depending on who you ask. It's a subject that calls for a big tent episode. All takes welcome. So we asked our listeners well, five, what- Five takes welcome, Will. <laughs> no, 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 many more. We asked our listeners what cinematic means to them. And we got a hell of a lot of answers. And in keeping with this approach of multiplicity, we have our biggest guest roster yet. This is where the five number comes from. We have Nathan Douglas. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. James Fedko. I'm here. And our associate producer, Paige Smith, is here as well. Hi. Hi, Paige. And all of us are friends, and we're all filmmakers living in Vancouver. And we've all talked about this stuff a bit before, but I think this is going to be our first 
big conversation just about this one word among the five of us. Can, can I just say how exciting it is to be, how cinematic it is to be hanging out with my friends who are just on screen? Well, that's more applicable because we're not on a non-cinematic medium, so I'll accept that usage. Go, go ahead. I'm going to say, I think, uh, I think YouTube Grammarly ads are cinematic. That's going to be my contribution to this. <laughs> Uh, full disclosure, for me, the word cinematic has been kind of an albatross on virtually everything I do when I teach, when I shoot films. It's a pet thing of mine. I wanted to talk about it. Okay, so our definitions. Nathan, what's your definition of the word cinematic? Devin is going last, just to be clear, because I'm sure he'll have something destructive to say. Well, I'm going to be, I think, really boring and dry and say that, uh, you know, cinematic. My interest in, in thinking about cinema from a kind of a more um, metaphysical perspective has unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your point of view, uh, kind of turned me into a stickler for this sort of essential definition of what cinematic might mean. And like Devin, I, uh, I've found myself irritated over the years at the very... Uh, colloquial usage of cinematic to dis- define basically anything someone's feeling at any moment under the sun. That said, my definition of cinematic, I, like I said, I'm going to be kind of boring here and I'm going to say it is anything that is proper to the art of cinema. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, something that is esen- essentially, essentially useless, all encompassing definition. Well, yeah, Nathan, yeah, that's yeah. heartwarmingly. But that's why we have to talk about this. This is guys. This is why this is an urgent discussion. What does proper mean, Nathan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think we're going to get into that. I, I would say anything that speaks of the essence of cinema. The whole question is, what is the essence of cinema? James, what is your definition of cinematic? I don't know if I have like a super tied down definition for myself. I think what people mean when they say cinematic is either they're differentiating movies from TV in some sort of way, in a way that kind of Hollywood has differentiated itself from TV since the 50s, really. So like, you know, CinemaScope or just, you know, gigantic special effects, huge, splashy money on the screen. That's cinematic. And I think there's also a kind of, there's a DIY version of that now where it's, you know, a certain kind of videography look of like, you're, you're doing like really shallow depth of field and like, you're like teal and orange color correction and that looks cinematic to people. And I think I disagree with both of those, but I don't know like what exactly I want to say is cinematic. Paige, let's hear yours. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, to speak to what James was talking about in the terms of what the word means in the sense of how people use it, I think the word is meaningless because it's used in so many different ways, you know. You know, for example, I heard people say cinematic is when you are not noticing the camera, you are not noticing the artifice of filmmaking. And then I saw other people commenting online that it's the exact opposite of that and that cinema is all about, cinematic is all about the showmanship and the seeing of the craftsmanship and and things like that. So I think it's a, it's a word that it's not very useful. So that's why I don't use it. But if I were forced to give cinematic a definition from the dictionary just means like of cinema, right? Like making the word cinema into an adjective. And to me, that would just mean like uh, qualities that are specific to the medium of film. 
like cinema, movie making. I think that, you know, when we're comparing moving images to photography, the different sort of qualities um, that cinema has over photography, I would call those qualities cinematic, just in that very broad sense, or the difference between music and cinema or um, visual arts and and cinema or moving images more broadly. That I think that's the only kind of definition I can really be comfortable with. Can I give an addendum to mine? Because I think I'm like, I think part of my definition might be something is cinematic when it gets shown in a theater. And that really is kind of meaningless, but it's like literally like the act of being shown in a cinema rather right. than like either something you watch on a TV or a YouTube ad or, you know, uh, you know, anything else, any other kind of moving image you might see, like something is cinematic because it's shown in a cinema. It's probably the closest to a definition you'd get from me. My definition is this, this kind of uh, connects a bit with pages, but to me, the most useful definition, I rarely use the word, but the most useful definition is cinematic refers to qualities that are either unique to or overwhelmingly associated with the, the cinematic medium. So that includes imagery with a mechanically fixed duration, carefully plotted and choreographed movement by the subject and the camera, or on the more associative level, a musical soundtrack whose timing and content is carefully fixed to the visual subject matter and or narrative events, that kind of thing. You read my notes. You cheated. No, I didn't. You cheated. I didn't. <laughs> I don't have notes, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last, but certainly not least, the king of definitions, the man of the hour, the purveyor of truth in all things semantic, David Scott. I'm sorry. You're looking for uh, someone named Miriam Webster. Was Miriam Webster one person or is that two people's last names? I think it was Noah Webster and uh, I don't know who Miriam was. Actually. That was not a question someone was supposed to know the answer to, James, FYI. I'm sorry. Oh, there, actually, there were two Miriams. And one Webster. What? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Now that we've gotten all of our definitions out of the way. My definition, okay, this is going to be self-contradictory and complicated. Here's the thing on cinema. The word cinematic. Who here has ever called a painting painterly? The thing about the word cinematic when applied to cinema is that it's a tautology, right? So I don't really think I have a personal definition that I use of it, and that's a big reason why I even wanted to do this episode. I, maybe I'll find one through it. Then how do I think cinematic is generally used and seen? That's the closest thing I can get. Well, I think cinematic, like Paige and James have both mentioned, is used to throw certain types of cinema into relief against other types of cinema, right? So you have cinema as seen in a cinema versus cinema as seen on a television. But when people refer to that, are they referring to the things that make cinema cinema, like editing? But no, television is also equally edited. So I don't even know up from down here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer to Danny on Facebook, who said, shoot video in 120 frames per second or 240 frames per second. Slow the video down in post and add dramatic music. And we shall not forget about the cine bar added to make it 235 to one aspect ratio. The result then becomes cinematic video. You know what? That's as good as I've ever heard. I'm going to go with that one. I wanted to go through some of our responses, and I've categorized as best I can all of the responses we got on this. So first of all, there's the jokey responses. And even though they're jokey, I think there's something, there's some interesting commonalities between all these. Miriam Webster says cinematic, uh, definition one, 
of, relating to, suggestive of, or suitable for motion pictures or the filming of motion pictures. And definition two, filmed and presented as a motion picture. But hey, Merriam-Webster's <laughs> slow on a lot of colloquial stuff, so we can't just we right. can't just take yeah, their I'll word. Go for to it. Urban Dictionary. Keep talking. And we'll, <laughs> we'll <circle back. laughs> Pietro had a tongue-in-cheek answer of dolly shots and soundtrack with sweeping strings. James, a different James, said, it means when you freeze frame, then zoom out with the image on the front page of tomorrow's newspaper. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> Corbin said, obviously it means shot in 2.35. Andy said, the aspect ratio must change during the movie. <laughs> Joseph said, all the cinematography bros on YouTube told me it's three-point lighting and some haze. Paolo said, cinematic is Beyonce. Those are all tongue-in-cheek, but there's a commonality among all those of a sort of animosity towards a prescriptive idea of cinematic, where cinematic is a type of cinema, and you can prescribe what makes it cinematic. And it also touches on... There's this presumption of cinematic means good cinema. And all these definitions touch on this uh, uh, sort of instructional video tone that's often found of here's how you make it cinematic, i.e. good. You add haze, you add three-point lighting, you make it 2.35 to one, you change the aspect ratio during the movie, you shoot it in 240 frames per second, that kind of thing. Uh, I actually would like to play a little devil's advocate here on the part of the camera bros. Because I think there is a legitimate uh, human response going on that is at the base of these reactions. And it's the same response that you find in any kind of ultimately ecstatic reaction to a great work of art, or at least a very satisfying work of art. Uh, And that is that the, the response that is called forth when you are experiencing something aesthetically beautiful or just forget to say, when you're just experiencing something beautiful, it kind of calls forth this involuntary response of, oh, that's what this thing is, you know? You hear a great uh, work of music, if you're listening to Mozart or something, you know, it's very, ten- you know, who, who has not listened to Mozart and said to themselves, oh, that's what music is, you know? So it kind of comes with this, uh, there, it's interesting that there's this um, desire to, speak of the, again, I would say the essence of the thing that you are loving, you know, of the art that you are, are, are consuming, there's this desire to recognize it in its essence. And that involves kind of boiling things down to the, you know, to the, the broader view of like, this is music. Oh, this, this is cinema. This is cinematic, you know, and th- that's a very real human response. And I think we need to respect that and respect that everyone who's using these terms uh, even if uh, I would say that the way Cinebros use it is ultimately erroneous, uh, I would say that you know uh, they're they're fixating on certain things and then making a rule out of them in order to, as you said, to apply this cinematic kind of um, uh, rule to things. Uh, we we have to respect that there is a legitimate aesthetic response happening there. No, I definitely think it's a it's a colloquial term for a reason. People are definitely like there's picking up on a, a feeling of something that certain things give them and then they're looking for a word to kind of describe it. I think cinematic is the one they reach for. So I don't think it's um, an invalid response or anything like that, for sure. Almost none of the definitions that we have, I necessarily mind as long as they're clearly communicated in advance. I think I speak for most of us here. It's very irksome when someone says, 
cinematic and presumes a particular effect or style or quality or shared definition when they call something cinematic. I was just going to say, I think that there's the idea of being able to be the viewer and see something and use the word cinematic as a response to what you're viewing. And it's another thing to kind of be creating a, a tutorial on a single way of prescription of how to make cinematic images because I think when you're the viewer it's like a response and I, I think it's maybe they're trying to recreate that response and maybe that's why they're calling it cinematic but I think that that response can come from so many types of cinema you know what I mean and that that's why it's weird that there's kind of this like film bro aesthetic we use that word with quotation marks yeah totally and can i just point out like the that uh, one of the tongue-in-cheeks there the aspect ratio must change during the movie like that's something that would have been unheard of to the cinebros of pre-2013 that's funny how that's suddenly become a cliche uh which really sucks for those of us who like doing that or want to do that <laughs> oh yeah and, and the very fact that it's a moving target uh it really fascinates me this quote-unquote cinematic look six or seven years ago Film grain as a thing, for example, wasn't quite on that radar yet, but now it's pretty much essential to it. The resurgence of film as a fetish object, I think, has really informed what cinematic is in 2020 in a way that it didn't in like 2010. A lot of what the major movers of that aesthetic were going for was a over was an incredibly clean antiseptic look. Right? I mean, there's not a lot of social networks now. And I mean that the movie, the David Fincher movie, not like the. There's a lot of social networks, right? but. Um, <laughs> But I would really like to, let's define our terms, you know, this whole podcast about defining terms. Let's define our define terms. Define our terms. Define our What is terms. the camera bro definition of cinematic and what are the elements of that? Because I think we're, we're, we're putting that out there, but we haven't really defined that yet. There's a, there, I think different camera bros have a different idea of, have different definitions of cinematic. I think the shared commonalities, they're all prescriptive. A camera bro, by the way, is just, it's a usually pejorative term. I actually don't have ill will towards camera bros in that they're people who really want to take a DIY approach to creating quality cinema and they approach it the way they approach other DIY projects, right? With a very prescriptive aim and they try to communicate it in very, very familial, affectionate and and colloquial terms to their audiences. I, I think to me, camera bros are defined by a traditional masculinity hence the bros <laughs> because um yeah. and i here's the thing i actually don't blame the camera bros um because i think it's reflective of huge cultural issues in cinematography writ large and camera bros are but a symptom of that and the fact that camera bros are highly monetized youtubers is nothing but an indication of how problematic the cinematography community is there's one thing of camera bros on YouTube and then you can go back to the root of like just camera bros <laughs> at the root of that term. Like Will's saying, sometimes we call camera bros people that aren't specifically this, but like when I think of a camera bro, I think of honestly like a guy that's on set in the camera department that's sexist to you because you're a woman on set and they it's boys club and it's we're going to talk gear and we're going to be real like you know, techie and nerdy and make everyone feel like if they don't know the exact words that I'm using specifically to talk about this uber specific camera, that they're not welcome here. Uh, it's, a, it's a defense mechanism to make it harder for people to enter into spaces that uh, the people with the knowledge withhold. So I think it, it, it basically, I think because that's the culture that these kind of things come from, these, these aesthetics that is, 
camera bro aesthetics end up being fo so focused on gear. It's so focused on the new spectacle mm -hmm. that you can produce with that gear. What's the new shiny? Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a real cart before the horse aspect, I think, where and it tends to come with a very, uh, I would say, a, a not necessarily an overtly dogmatic way of looking at what, what the final image should look like or the final sequence should look like. But it, it tends to f remain within a very narrow um, sort of category of commercial derived, like commercially aimed uh, aesthetics. People also refer to video games and books as cinematic in ways that mean, like, obviously those aren't, like, a book doesn't have an aspect ratio, obviously, but people will be like, oh, this book is so cinematic because it just, like, mm. is so visually written in such a kind of vivid way and evocative way. You can imagine it playing out as a film very easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Or, like, cutscenes sure. in video games will be, you know, these are, you know... They call them cinematics. The colloquial, like sense is something kind of vast and expansive and like swelling music behind it and there's you know two people like embracing in the sunset or something like and there's just this like high i don't know high sense of like resources being dumped into this image <laughs> on some way um that's my instinctive response rather than nailing down specifics we actually got a couple of, and they were kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I thought they were interesting for touching on this, but a couple of people said, Kenneth said, most commonly used in reviews of action video games. And mm. Max said, the part of video games that I love at first, but come to detest later. <laughs> and I think the notion of what is cinematic in video games could be a whole episode of a gaming podcast. That's my arc when playing every single Metal Gear Solid game, I'll say. Aww. <laughs> I won't get into Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> so I was surprised Drew was the only person who gave this answer online. James touched on it. He said, to me, it's something that deserves to be seen in a movie theater, usually a big spectacle. Ryan, on the other hand, said, anything that uses its combination of production elements to produce something artistically potent, for instance, the films of Hong Sang-soo are deeply cinematic, while any number of Hollywood action spectacles are not. This is what I was saying. The, the spectacle, non-spectacle, both are considered cinematic, like, depending on the person. I mean, Hong Sang-soo, that's a very deliberate, for those who don't know Hong Sang-soo, he is known for having very long conversations between usually two people at a time, sitting in profile at a table, drinking alcohol of, <laughs> of various sorts. And I will also add shot uh, using like electronic zooms on uh, often like consumer grade digital cameras. Yeah. And I think these what's interesting about these two contradictory uh, definitions is that they're using different markers of the word. So with Drew, it's the differentiation between cinematic is based on a medium and a place. And with Ryan, cinematic is a mark of quality and merit, right? So the more good something is, I'm putting words in your mouth, Ryan, a little bit, sorry, but implicitly, the more good something is, the more, more artistically, The more artistically valid something is, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of the, the point I was making earlier about uh, the, the, the um, desire of the, of the Cinebro saying that is cinematic, you know, it's that, it's that response, you know, of like, yeah. this thing is moving me in such a way that I am experiencing the reality of it on a whole other level than just maybe the senses. Maybe I'm having, 
I'm having an elevated experience, a transcendent experience of this work of art. And that is what is going to form the new definition for me of what constitutes the, the baseline of what this is, of what this art form is, um, which is, you know, you end up with cinematic basically being code for the best kind of cinema. And I think there is some truth to that, but, you know, not necessarily entirely. It does remind me of like something I do as kind of a reactionary exercise with my classes. What I do is um, if I ever get into a debate about cinematics with my students, um, I will immediately pull up the dancing lens camp scene from Agnes Varda's The Gleaners and I, where she on an extremely low-grade consumer handicam circa 2000 um, accidentally films her lens cap dangling on the ground for like three minutes, and it's one of the most glorious scenes in cinematic history, in my opinion. And I say, this is my definition of cinematic. Um, and that's more of a reactionary thing. You know, it, It's intended to provoke the students into questioning their own cinema and not spoiler alert to my students i don't actually completely believe what i'm saying there um but um, even though i do that's a duality right i i believe and i don't believe it (laughs) going on that definition of cinematic that is that rorschach test um i believe that is cinematic but my own definition of cinematic is meaningless so it's me defining a non-term for myself so i would find you the most frustrating teacher in the world (laughs) yeah so do all my students um Ryan's definition of cinematic uh, really feels like it comes from a similar place to that, where it's almost it's a marker of artistic merit. L- like when I when I say something like super low grade, lo-fi, and deliberately rough is cinematic, I'm kind of doing that a little to prod the people into questioning their own definitions of cinematic. Yeah, Joseph kind of tried to square the circle of those comments by saying, "I think some people perceive the cinematic effect of an image to be that which feels crafted." as in intentionally lit or production values, and is transporting. Star Wars is cinematic because of this, whereas many docs slash austere dramas are not, which is of course bullshit. But there's a definite divide between what a lay audience of Hollywood films perceives to be cinematic and what Ryan Swen is talking about, and perhaps that's part of it. Anyone who does commercial work knows this all too well. Can I can I speak to this for a sec? So and and I'm laughing because Ryan uh, Ryan Swen, he's a friend, said to, uh, yesterday to me. He said Percival shout out, and referring to Eric Romer's Percival the Galois. And I didn't think I would be able to work it in, but actually this is a perfect way to talk about Percival the Galois because one of the ways in which we uh, in the in a Western uh, Hollywood sort of um, audience um, experience this sort of cinematic not cinematic divide is with historical epics. Uh, and so a film like Percival Le Galois, which for those who don't know, is shot on a soundstage. It's a late seventies, uh, French film on an adaptation of a King Arthur legend and shot entirely on a, on a soundstage with very stagey looking flora and fauna trees, cutouts, castle walls. Like, you know, the entire thing looks like a stage production, uh, just, you know, it's got shot, you know, with more flexibility and, and different angles and things. Um, but to anyone watching it, you know, who's used to the work of Ridley Scott or anyone else who's made a, a historical epic in the last 30 years, it's patently not realistic, quote unquote. Uh, and yet it's a, it's a work of incredibly beautiful, stunning, and I would say very, uh, you know, from what I understand, accurate historical cinema in, in that it, it's envisioning a... Uh, it's almost like imagining what if a, a medieval troupe of actors and troubadours had gotten their hands on a camera and decided to shoot an Arthurian legend. This is probably what it would look like. And there's a realism to it that, you know, is, is deeply baked in there. 
Whereas you could argue that the uh, anachronisms of a Ridley Scott picture that is getting all the physical details, like we got all the chain mail or whatever down to the right, the right side, whatever, who cares? But you, you know, like it gets all the physical details. You're saying Orlando Bloom didn't claim that all have claim over Jerusalem in, uh, <laughs> in the 10th century or whatever it was. Uh, I'm saying that maybe, maybe a film that gets all of the physical details, right, right down to the maggoty bread, but somehow imagines that a, a enlightenment era liberal uh, managed to save <laughs> uh, the Middle East from war uh, is maybe not, maybe not historically accurate. I don't know. So, I mean, anyway, the, the point is, this idea of physical kind of the, the realism of details of, of production value, production design, and how we, you know, someone who looks at a Ridley Scott picture, or most, I say most people would say like, that is more cinematic because it's, you know, it's got a sharper kind of uh, edge to it. It's, it's you know, um, the lighting is more dramatic, whatever, than, than Percival Le Galois. But can, can, can I throw a pitch on this? Yeah. Um, it fits with people's preconceived notions of modern cinematic realism. Exactly. I think, I mean, I mean, at the start of this, I said, like, I kind of put out this definition of cinema as something you go to a cinema to see rather than somewhere else. And I've actually been also wondering, like, how much the word cinematic actually did used to mean something particular. And then basically in the digital era that has kind of become completely erased and just be kind of become this generic, like, word for like a sexy image or something, because pre-digital TV looked worse than most movies. It was shot like, uh, well, still is shot a lot of it on a extremely tight production schedule with like lockdown cameras a lot of the times, you know, depending on what kind of show it was, but definitely like just the amount of kind of the budget and the kind of general quality of moving images pre-digital would be like, oh, this is like a movie. This is a real like piece of cinema. But now... Like that distinction, I feel just doesn't exist anymore, both in the era of like prestige TV and like everybody and their uncle making a movie and showing showing it at a film festival, um, some of which are incredibly deeply moving. And yeah, I just feel like the, all the kind of programming silos of like, this is TV and this is a documentary and this is a, you know, big budget studio movie, like those distinctions mean less and less and less and less because of the way we consume movies. And I feel like that might be behind a lot of us is like, we don't really know what cinematic means anymore because that distinction doesn't really exist. It's been done to death. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right that it, it, more commonly in the past, it referred more explicitly to a marketing differentiation, right? Mm -hmm. Between the This is not TV. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why widescreen was adopted by Hollywood. That's the actual reason. It's not TV. Yeah. So much of learning about the history cinema is grappling with the fact that you are still in the grip of its lineage. But what does it mean when you can buy Mulan for $30 on Disney Plus? <laughs> Instead of going, and you can't even see it in a theater. What is cinematic? My, com- my computer screen is now 20 times more cinematic. Is that what that, <laughs> yes. that <means>? we're, all, <laughs> we're all living in the cinema now. Yeah. So the next topic that I kind of grouped a bunch of people together into is about the intentional communication of emotion or intentional communication of story. So Joel said that something that's successfully cinematic effectively conveys story, emotion, and ideas by using as many or as few tools at one's disposal to get those things across. Chris said, when the emotion felt by the audience is informed by the film, 
and it is the one intended by the filmmakers, i.e. when the sum of the parts works in cohesion, causing the emotional reaction. And David had a, a really nice, elegant, pithy one. Definition. The moving pictures move you. I don't fully agree we can prescribe to the idea of death of the author. I don't think that's really doable, but I lean that way, so I don't give a fuck what the filmmaker's intention was, so I don't think that relates. But I think that the the gist of all these, with what David said, the moving pictures move you. I get what they mean. I think that's kind of what Nathan was talking about and just like the, the magic of cinema, like that thing that captures your heart and makes you fall in love with movies and makes us all want to make movies and talk about movies. Like I, I, I think, I assume that's kind of what they're trying to get at. I'm really torn on this. I really appreciate the idea of moving the, qu- the word in giant scare quotes, imagine them in your head, cinematic, um, away from the prescriptive Hollywood realism model and into a more, um, you know, does this move me? Is this you know, again, it's another permutation of this is good. This is good movie. It still runs into that central problem for me of if I were to use this definition of cinematic, this is me completely implanting my own subjective emotional reaction onto a word that doesn't seem to fit that maybe. I agree. I think also, yeah, the the idea of intentionality being a part of what is cinematic, I think that's tied to that idea of cinema being something that you can craft and that has to be crafted. It can't be incidental or accidental, right? Like accidentally captured footage of a camera falling out of a plane into a field and then being sniffed by pigs. There there are a lot of jokes that get thrown around when a video like that goes viral about like, this is the best film of the year, that kind of thing. And I, I make those jokes too. Some people are sincere about that too. Yeah, I, but... That stuff is great, but on the other I'm hand... I'm on team dog running into the water with a GoPro on his back. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's very rare you see people actually putting that in their like best 10 films of the year. Even if it was like one of their like 10 genuinely favorite things that they studied, they got so much out of it, they thought it was this joyous moment, people won't put it on their 10 films of the year, presumably because they're not counting it in the same company as those films that they're putting on their list, i.e. they're not calling it cinematic. When I was in film school, I had the pleasure of being taught by um, a professor named Laura Marks, and she actively encouraged us to include all types of moving images in her course. And she would actually show like video clips that were like of dogs that were just on the internet. And she'd like, let's study this. And it was such a joy. Like I, 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 I would hope I would be the type of person that would put a film like that on my top 10. I mean, that's all any of us want to watch. Yeah, I don't know if I would, I, I to be honest. I was just going to say quickly, how like isn't this exactly what Devin was giving the example of with Agnes Varda's shot with the the accidentally filming her lens cap? Like how is how is that intentionality or lack thereof any different than than what Will's describing? She still intentionally put it in the movie though. That's worth noting. And put yeah. Michelle Legrand jazz over it or whatever. But I mean at the same time like someone intentionally uploaded that video to YouTube. Like that, that's... But the, the film is complete at that point, though. The uploading to YouTube doesn't change anything to do with the actual crafting of the film. It's just transferring ah, it from so one... so films need editing to be films, Nathan Douglas quote. I don't know if I go so far as to say they need <laughs> editing, but rhythm, yeah, is an essential part. That's why he hates Birdman. Don't tell him about Russian arc. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, editing in the sense that you know, this is an important point, really, that, that like editing in the sense of the sculpturing of of the uh, the time of the moving image, like whether there is an edit or there isn't, shaping the rhythm 
of the film, however that is involved, is a, is a key part of making a film. This question of story is really interesting to me because one of my, I don't know, I want to maybe say pet peeves is like the way that, that story and narrative is so often tied to uh, people's definitions of it. like, this is what is cinematic and really like, you know, cinema has, does not require story. Cinema can exist without narrative or story at all. Now there's something to be said. And I think there's a lot to be said actually for the question of perhaps narrative is actually the uh, mode of cinema that will allow the art of cinema to achieve its, its highest uh, potentiality. But uh, we can't say that it is necessary for cinema to happen. And there's a whole other conversation to be had there. The point I'm trying to get to here is what, um, is that, 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 that was, again, we're kind of coming, I keep coming out that, that response and it's coming up through all of our conversations, but the way that these, some of these descriptions are saying that the, actually the way that the moving pictures move you, I think that's actually a beautifully simple way of, of saying it. Yeah, I like that one. In that, and I'm going to quote the philosopher Jacques Maritain, who wrote a lot on aesthetics. At the root of the creative act, there must be a quite particular intellectual process without parallel in logical reason through which capital T, you know, he's, he's talking about things in the self. He's talking about like capital T things and capital S self <laughs> through which things in the self are grasped together by means of a kind of experience or knowledge, which has no conceptual expression and is expressed only in the artist's work. Okay. In such an experience, creative in nature, things are grasped in the self and the self grasped in things and subjectivity becomes a means of catching obscurely the inner side of things. Now I know that's like really, I mean, heck, I, I, I'm like finding my way through it as I read it, but essentially what he's describing is the artistic act where the yeah. artist, the self is discovering, you know, but it's through their making a thing, an artistic object that they are discovering something about the inner side of things, which ultimately, you know, we're from his perspective, we're talking about ultimate being, you know, the being of things. And so this is what he describes as poetic knowledge or poetic intuition. And for me, this is the key. This is exactly what the question uh, of what is cinematic is responding to. This is what people are ecstatically kind of responding to. It's not really tied to any one particular mode of getting to that poetic knowledge or that poetic intuition, but what people are responding to, whether it is a narrative documentary or camera falls from an airplane is uh, well, actually that's an arguable case. Uh, is uh, poetic intuition, you know, this poetic, it's this deep, again, this, this uh, transcendent kind of experience of something that is mysterious and deeper and inexpressible. Uh, and yet it is calling to something inside of us, uh, which calls, calls forth that response, of, you know, oh, that's, that's cinema. So yeah, I mean, for me, like poetic intuition is kind of like, I think that the term I like to, I like to use to to uh, really define that response to cinema, regardless of the genre or type of cinema. You know what I thought of when you said um, cinema is how the moving images move you? I thought of a uh, D-Box. <laughs> <laughs> I think D-Box is a Cineplex term specifically. Maybe I'm wrong, but for, for our international friends. Yeah, what's the American term yeah, okay. for 4D, it? 4D. Cinema 4D. Um, it is basically when you are sitting in your seat in a movie theater and the seat like sways back and forth and moves back and forth and up and down. And, you know, it's immersive. If you're in the same theater and you're sitting near it and then you hear during like the big Michael Bay sequence, you hear, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> who left like, their phone on? And it's just the seats moving around. 
Oh my gosh, D-Box is a Canadian invention. We did it, yeah. guys. We, what? We've we done that? I told you. It's from Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, world. <laughs> I was going to say, it's remarkable to me that we've gotten this far in the discussion of the term cinematic, and the, the name Christopher Nolan has not come up once. No. <laughs> Nor I will it. Feel Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Stylization. Vlad says, it depends on context, but usually I take it to be stylized, as in opposite to natural or organic or realistic or journalistic, and probably reminiscent of popular stylization techniques in cinema. So stylized in very familiar ways. Uh, Mike uh, actually gave us three definitions, so a bit cheeky there. But there's, but we 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 respect it and we move on with it anyway because there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. So first of all, refer to a movie's conspicuous use of nonverbal means to produce a visceral effect or convey narrative information or illustrate theme. Second definition: describe works of art in which surface seems paramount and there's a relative lack of psychological or character disclosure. Third definition. Establish an opposition between movies and other art forms, usually these days TV. That We've talked about that one a fair amount. Uh, Mike said that the second one of those terms is the most valid to him, but it's a sketchy term in general. So the second, again, was describe works of art in which surface seems paramount and there's a relative lack of psychological or character disclosure. Well, this is the idea of like cinematic as the things about cinema that are non-literary or more specifically in this definition cinema as something that rejects literary influences right or theatrical influences the second one is the one that actually interests me most because it really runs against the current of um it being an inherent like positive like there's this idea that somehow if something is cinematic it means it's a good thing um i think that what mike's describing here in which the surface seems paramount and there's a relative lack of psychological character disclosure he's describing shallow cinema and i think I kind of I kind of like that definition because it addresses I think the meta definition of cinematic to me, which is a series of prescriptive surface level um, qualities. I think there's definitely like a school of videography. I think I, I mentioned this before, but like a school of videography that brands itself as cinematic that is entirely that that is entirely like surface shallowy, like not necessarily Redding. good, but just Redding kind of videography. Yeah, exactly. Think of all the video essay titles. I have a few here. Cinematic Film Look, DSLR Filmmaking Tutorial. Seven Ways to Make Your Videos, all caps, more cinematic. Explaining the cinematic film look. Take your films to the next level. The actual content of these video essays is largely about trying to achieve professionalism. In that you are not going for any kind of artistic quality. You're going for something that takes professionals to create. that foregrounds your own branding and status as someone who makes a living from your work. There's a lot of synergy with the fact that a lot of these video essays, which ostensibly are educational, to me at least, and this is going to be a very lukewarm take, to me at least are often more about the branding of the person delivering the quote-unquote lessons than it is about actually teaching people. To me, this is actually the heart of my actual issue with it, which is um, it's this almost circular feedback loop of branding that the word cinematic entails. Yeah, I think that's why people call like often call it a buzzword. But I was looking up images for cinematic and one one of the images was like, a, I guess, like a blog post image or maybe it was a video essay. I don't know how they made this into a video, but it was just the most cinematic fonts 
And I just thought that was really <laughs> funny. Like, what, what makes a font cinematic? And in turn, and, 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 and in turn, I think it's funny with a lot of. I, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into people's definitions, or even like my instinct when I think of this word. What makes something cinematic? We're thinking visual. We're thinking camera. You know what I mean? And it's. I don't know. I just wanted to point that out because I just thought about that. Now I was like, oh my god, we haven't even talked about sound. That's so funny. <laughs> What's a cinematic yeah. sound? I think score is the first thing that would come to mind for sound. Yeah, that's why I made room in my definition for uh, soundtracks that are self-consciously synchronized to the to the action. I mean, that, that counts. I, I would also count those like the very crisp Foley, you know, you get in. Mm. Um, mm. So I would say self-consciously silent, but not literally silent um, sequences. And for me, an example that comes to mind is the opening of Wally. Uh, and also, also to a lesser extent, there will be blood. And the way that I, I'm always mm. struck and struck by the one-two punch of those two films coming out less than a year apart, uh, because it kind of initiated this wave in, especially like the younger generation of cinephiles. To, uh, it, I mean, the positive of it was that it, it did it re- really did kind of bring to a mainstream audience what you can do without dialogue and and you know trying to do a, a more visually based storytelling approach. But on the flip side, I think they have become hallowed in kind of an, an annoying way uh and and so where you end up with this um every little foley movement you know every little you're watching wally and wally's obviously like a completely designed and animated thing uh so you know that every single thing that you're watching has been designed there's nothing absolutely nothing of chance in in this image even though it's going for you know trying to go for a certain kind of realism that could evoke that sense of uh possibility you know in a, in a shot on location thing you understand where i'm going with this like it, it, it's there's a yeah. certain artificiality that comes from that 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 you know it's a very it is a very like well crafted you know but there is uh there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way for for like these reasons that we're getting into i was just gonna say i think wally's a great example because it's the first pixar movie to ever try and create this photorealistic but not just photorealistic, but filmic reality in the sense they, they literally hired Roger Deakins as a visual consultant to try and mimic the way that Hollywood films are shot, right? So he came in to sh- tell them about how depth of field really works, um, how light sourcing really works. He helped redesign their lighting software so that they could better mimic what fixtures do on film sets, um, all with the intention of creating an illusion of documentary realism in the first 40 minutes of that film and i think the sound design uh also emphasizing not naturalism i mean you can get naturalism by holding a mic out in a desert but um that hollywood and again I'm, I'm kind of bringing up the term of hollywood realism here in reference to classical hollywood realism which i think is a great little mirror for this because classical hollywood realism doesn't feel real anymore to us right it feels quote-unquote theatrical and that's because the standards for it constitute realism have moved on. It's like a dead language. And um, modern realism will eventually suffer that fate. And I think the modern definition of cinematic will also evolve. Or die out. Or die out, especially now that cinema's, like, especially now, might no longer be a thing soon in, the, in, yeah. the, in a wide sense. We're all, everyone's grasping their collars right now, except James, who seems to really, really just be apathetic to the whole idea. It's because I work in book <laughs> publishing. <laughs> <laughs> Setting aside sound for a minute, let's return to the visual factor. We got a couple of comments on this. First of all, this was a comment from Kenneth, 
which is not about visuals, but a response was, Kenneth said, the feeling of being immersed in what you are watching. And then Emily responded, in a visual way, though, cinematic never refers to story. And I'll just note that Emily stated her distaste for the term elsewhere, so she's not saying this in a positive way. Dylan said, To me, cinematic means when art engages in an emotional and entertaining way that resonates, first and foremost, visually. Or maybe simply, art expressed visually through hyper-manipulation of images. And so we're back to this idea of the highly crafted object on screen being the cinematic one. I mean, it's going to always try to be a marketing buzzword. It's going to be like, this is, these, are, these are images you should consume because they're you know, cinematic images and are run-of-the-mill things. Whether that's you know, on the internet somewhere with your, like, your videography thing or if it's you know, at your multiplex. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up as well, this emphasis on monetary value of images. There's that tie in a lot of these definitions. We talked about like production value and what does production value mean? A lot of the time it just means that looks expensive, you know? And, uh, you know, <laughs> is this achievable on my phone? Everyone has a camera nowadays. Oh, it's not? Oh, it costs a lot of money to make that image? You know, is it worth spending money on going to see this image? Those sorts of questions are interesting. I, I just find it interesting that the goalposts have shifted so much, especially in the last 10 years, as a, a sort of a, a two, three, five to one aspect ratio looking image with, you know, a certain sharpness to it that can mimic like higher end Hollywood lenses, like whatever, all the tricks that can be done at a low budget to mimic a higher budget production value look, as that has become more and more standard for independent productions. You know, the goalposts have shifted as to what really looks like that really expensive product. And there's a fascinating book I just want to throw out to, to your listeners called Shard Cinema. Uh, it came out a few years ago. And it's basically about this, uh, this whole notion of commercial Hollywood cinema is obsessed with particles and objects and things exploding. Like everyone's always known Hollywood is big on explosions. But what this book really goes <laughs> into is the, the visual field of like all the visual crap that is blowing up in every Hollywood movie, whether, whether it is traditional explosions where it's dirt flying in gladiator or it's, you know, glass breaking, especially, uh, in slow motion, you know, the list goes on and on, but basically there are particles digitally. And what usually they're, these are like, you know, digitally, you know, crafted sequences uh, with VFX. Uh, there's particles and shards everywhere. And that has kind of become the new standard for this is a commercial, uh, this is a, a heavy commercial product. Because an indie production cannot match that level of VFX, you know? Yeah, you see in posters for big movies all the time, all these, like, embers from fire and stuff. Yeah, that have it's been everything. Added. It, it, fire, uh, dirt, again, dirt flying everywhere. Like, anything anything that adds, uh, you know, more texture, it's basically this like, ultra-textured kind of image. But the thing that strikes me is more and more it's becoming totally artificial. It's totally being created in a computer. And that's, you know, that's that to me seems like the opposite of cinematic. I remember when... Half-Life 2 Episode 2 was about to come out, a big marketing push on the technology of the game was that they have a cinematic physics engine, and that just meant that they could do animations where, like, a bridge blew up into a trillion pieces or, you know, <laughs> like, something crumbled in an insane amount of detail with tons of small debris particles. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely borne out as we think about particles as cinematic. Well, I mean, and it's shifting goalposts of, again, like what costs money and what doesn't. 
and what kind of will convey status to your images and what won't. Yeah, like the Irishmen, you know, like, ooh, they're old, now they're young. Cinema. <laughs> um, along these lines of uh, of disaffection towards some of these ideas of what is considered cinematic, a couple of people just just clearly had no use for the way the term is used. Zach said it is an adjective that is redundant in ninety nine percent of cases. Strongly anti cinematic. And Emily, who I mentioned before, uh, said film bro buzzword for an action movie. So. The last major category that I sort of set together from all these responses we got was broader experiential definitions. So Andrew said, for me, it means an unforgettable visual and aural moment shared in a dark room that affects an audience on some kind of psychosomatic level. So a few of the things we've talked about coming together there. Peter said, when the illusion of filmmaking works at its best, you are not aware of the artifice of the film but are wholly absorbed. Works best when applied to audiences that are not film professionals. So we're seeing that distinction between professionals come up again that we, we've already seen. And then Gianni said, in my research based in perception studies, cinematic equals a certain feel of the perceptual experience of the spectator, which is in turn prompted by works of moving audio images that are aesthetically constructed in certain ways. So, I mean, and I'm sure, Jenny, that, that that opens up all kinds of doors to what, what is your research exactly that we, we would have to do another episode to get into. But the most interesting thing to me in those three, on the surface at least, is this distinction between what works for professionals and what works for non-professionals. I mean, is there just a gap here? Is this going back to the Drew and Ryan spectacle versus anti-spectacle uh, idea of cinematic and maybe it is validly different for different people. Yeah. I, I think um, the thing that leaps out for me here is kind of the dependence on the, uh, the theatrical experience, you know uh, this idea that cinema is a communal event, which like definitely cinema can be experienced as a communal event and usually has been in its history, but it's not something I would say that is fundamental to the art itself. I, uh, and when discussing this, I really had to be aware of my own kind of like bias going into this, where I, for me, cinema has never been a communal thing, largely. Um, 90% of the movies I watch in my life have been at home, <laughs> and most with myself or one or two other people. And um, so for me, the kind of the idea that cinema is communal, I understand it on especially a historical level. I mean, like there was no home theaters in like 1920, really. Except unless you're like, you know, the president. Norma <laughs> Or like Howard Hughes or whatever. General yeah, Motors. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're unfathomably hey, rich. Let's list college. all the private movie theaters. <laughs> Anywhere where a cell phone is nowadays. Um, now. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. I like being interrupted by could we bombs. <laughs> but for me personally um, so I, I'm stuck simultaneously understanding completely what Andrew is saying here and also being completely unable to relate to it because I when I think what does a movie feel like to me what does cinema feel like to me it's me sitting on my couch watching my perfectly calibrated screen ultimately I think cinematic is as a term is most reflective just on the person's definition of it I think it's it's a great way of understanding how 
what a person values in cinema and not for everything, but like, especially if someone is, well, I guess so. Like for people that have a negative definition of cinema or a cinematic that is maybe the thing that is lacking in that definition, the thing that that is the anti of, maybe that's what they truly value. You know, like I, I assume people that are bringing up the artifice and things like that, they value that in cinema or vice versa. I, I know for me, like my personal definition of like things that are uniquely unique qualities of cinema and, and to me I love artifice so you know that's that's a huge thing within my personal preferences you know so I, I wonder if this is only this term is only useful in a study of each individual's own definition and their psyche <laughs> if that makes sense yeah that's kind of what I came into this episode thinking and why I, I really wanted to push for that approach of let's read every single definition we got. Let's get everybody's definitions out there. There's some definitions that I think are more useful than others. Some definitions I think are more interesting than others. But ultimately, pretty much every definition we got, except some of the tongue in cheek ones, I think it, I think is perfectly valid to someone's personal experience. And, and that's how people get the most use of the word. Wrapping up, at the beginning of the episode, Devin mentioned, maybe I'll come out of this episode and I'll have a new personal definition of cinematic. So Devin, coming out of this, what is your definition of the word cinematic? You know, I'm going to answer this honestly, and I'm not going to be flippant about it. Uh, Why do I care about the word cinematic? To me, the reason I care is... I really care about communication. I care about understanding what one another is thinking and feeling, especially in the context of collaborating on art. And film is not an entirely collaborative medium, but it is a largely collaborative medium. And for me, specificity is important there. And understanding one another is the result of specificity. And the danger when we use a term like cinematic as a catch-all phrase to refer to preconceived notions of what especially popular expensive cinema is we risk two things one we risk not communicating because the other person might not share that definition and as if twitter is taught as anything people have wildly divergent definitions and second is it reinforces preconceived notions the language we use often defines the sandbox we're in right the language defines how we think um, it's why someone like, you know, Roger Deakins, and this is one of my favorite things about him, bans the word fill light, key light, and backlight on his film sets. It forces him and his crew to think in different ways. And if we use the term cinematic in a way that is unselfconscious and refers to essentially high production value Hollywood cinema, we're going to continue endeavoring to make films that look just like that and not make our own, not express our own ways of seeing the world. Coming out of this, what I'm more convinced of than ever is that the word cinematic, to me personally, is most useful as an expression of a Rorschach test. So to me, cinematic is a starting point for a discussion of what do I value in cinema? As a filmmaker, do I want my films to represent, look like, feel like? Um, So that's kind of where I'm coming out in this. And if that explanation definition sounds a lot more like a question than an answer, it kind of is. <laughs> um, I still don't feel You're like one of those people. I know. <laughs> so it didn't change. <laughs> oh, but I, I think you know what? I don't think it has to change. I think it clarified for myself 
the whole issue behind it. And this conversation has helped reinforce why I care about it. Yeah, I think I think why do I care is a perfect way to sort of sum it up because you know when I think about this question for me it's just I, I found myself in a lifelong quest to understand what cinema is for myself and like what you know ultimately what does it where is it where does that love of cinema lead us you know I'm kind of consumed by these questions and and the moments in my life that have changed because of a great film uh, you know are so powerful that I can't help but be drawn towards asking that question of what is cinema, you know? And so that question of what is cinematic, of course, is, is deeply tied into that. And so I care because uh, I want to get to the heart of why this particular form is so compelling. I want to understand the reason why it exists uh, and why it has such a power over over us. And um, so, so yeah, in that sense, like our terms matter, our definite, you know, what we say matters. It has meaning and we can't just, say one thing and mean one thing and then mean something entirely different with, you know, with the same term. We need to nail down, define our terms and, and try to dig into this and, and hopefully come to a deeper understanding of the truth uh, of that thing. I guess I probably changed my mind a bit. I don't, I, I don't think I'm particularly tied to that watching the cinema thing anymore. It's probably more just like, yeah, it's a marketing buzzword. Eh. <laughs> I think it's like, it's a vague term that means a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. And I don't know. I don't know how useful it is as a term, really. I think that's maybe the thing I'm taking away, which is maybe surprising to me because I thought there was maybe something a bit more substantive to it. But. Interesting. It feels like some of us are coming out with a more substantive take on it and some of us are coming out yeah. more skeptical. Like Paige, burn how about it you? all down. Burn it all down. I think I came at this from a very, this word has no meaning anymore because there's so many different definitions because I had read these tweets beforehand and had had the opportunity to see how diverse some of our listeners' definitions ranged from. And I don't use that word for the kind of reasons Nathan and Devin were describing as I want to be clear when I'm communicating with people, when I'm writing about cinema, when I'm talking to someone about making a film together, I try and use specific terms so that we can all be on the same page. I, I think, uh, Nathan, your generosity towards people's use of it and your way of thinking about it as like, I don't know if you use this word exactly, but like a, like trying to grasp at the essence. I think that's what my definition is basically, like the essence of cinema is these unique qualities, but I kind of hadn't connected that to that emotional part, kind of visceral sort of, ability cinema has so yeah i don't know it's kind of hard to explain nathan kind of said it better than me but that's that's kind of something unique i've brought out of this conversation that i, I find very interesting i think the key to the word cinematic and how i think it's good to approach it is just what is useful right so like if you have a definition of the word cinematic and you make it clear to the people you're using it to and you don't think there's a better word to use it just make sure that it's useful, right? Like, I don't think it's particularly useful for cinematic to just be a synonym for production value. I do think we've heard a lot of other more useful definitions, like the differentiation between cinema and other mediums or art forms. I might not agree necessarily with some of those, but I can see how they're useful to that person in how they discuss and think about cinema. So, I mean, ultimately, though, my... my my takeaway at the end is the same as the start, which is just define your terms. It doesn't have to take you as long as it took us, but womp womp. boy, was it fun. <laughs>
Let me know what you mean. Cinematic. <laughs> the real terms. Were... The real terms are the friends we made along the way. Yeah. The real friends were the terms. <laughs> the, the real definitions were the friends we termed along the way. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to all of our readers. I mean, sorry, to all of our listeners <laughs> who <laughs> sent in their own definitions. Thank you very much. I, I truly appreciate it. Uh, even like I said, the ones of you who I disagree with, I'm really glad you engaged in this. And those who were tongue-in-cheek, you too actually brought up interesting things. Humor has its purpose, it turns out. And to uh-huh. Paige, James, and Nathan, who are guesting today, thank you very much for helping us unpack some of this. I'm sure this conversation could go on a trillion years more or zero more minutes. And for the sake of fitting into a podcast, we're going with zero more minutes. Thank you for joining us today. Paige Smith is our associate producer. If you enjoyed today's podcast, subscribe to it. And hey, rate us and review us on the Apple Podcast Store to help other people discover it. If you want to come on the show, or if you have an idea for a topic, or if you just want to ask a question about an upcoming topic and have us answer it on the podcast, you can get in touch with us by email via filmformally at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media on Twitter or Facebook at filmformally. We'd like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil peoples. Well, that's the season, folks. See y'all next time, and thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, see you in three weeks, I guess. Yep, you can always find us on Twitter. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Cinema. That's the cinema.